Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where a bully has his life completely and utterly destroyed. Our next Reddit post is from the lighter side. My now ex-wife and I, Kate, moved into an apartment in 2010. The house as a whole was a renovated townhouse split between two sides with two apartments on the bottom and two apartments upstairs. I wasn't the biggest fan of this apartment since the building was much older than I'd ever lived in, but I quickly adjusted to the wood creaking throughout the night. On the initial walkthrough, we noticed that the only problem was that there was a dip in the bathroom ceiling. The landlord, Jay, promised us that he would get it fixed ASAP. One year to the day that we moved in there, there was a loud crash at 4am. The bathroom ceiling had collapsed, and there was tiling and wood all over the floor and in the bathtub. Now, Kate was typically the aggressive one, while I was more passive and laid back. So, my wife kept calling Jay throughout the day. When she got in touch with him at around 9pm, she explained what happened and insisted that it be fixed immediately. Jay rebuffed, yelling that his girlfriend was a lawyer and that he didn't need to do anything. Now, this is where I got mad. I went outside to have a cigarette and to calm myself down. I feigned a relaxed demeanor, and at first, he began trying to talk to me as a bro and kept saying, Dude, I'm gonna get someone out there, but it's gonna take a few weeks. When he couldn't sway me that way, he began yelling about his girlfriend and her knowing the law. What he was unaware of was that I had read the tenant laws in my state, and so, as he tried to lie, I waited until he finished. And I then recited the law stating that if an apartment was considered uninhabitable, then the landlord needed to pay for the tenant to stay in a place until it was resolved. Meaning he would have to pay for us to stay in a hotel of our choosing every night until the ceiling was fixed. He tried to say that our upstairs neighbor Phil was a superintendent, but he wasn't sure if he could get him down there that night. He placed me on hold, then came back a few minutes later and said that Phil and his girlfriend were out of state. I rang Phil's doorbell and asked him, with Jay on the speakerphone, if he was the assigned super. Phil laughed and said no. Dejected, Jay said that he would have people out there the next day. Previously, he had said they were busy for at least three weeks. There's more to this incident, but it leads to two conclusions. One, if you're gonna lie, then there has to be consistency in your lie, and make sure that the people you lie to don't communicate with each other. Two, this is where a feud started between me and my Cade versus him and his mother. She was the original landlord and gave the house to Jay so that he could make some side profit. Fast forward to a year later. Jay stopped coming to the house and his mom began doing the pickups. Around this time, my ex and I had been laid off and we were working with Social Security for food, health, and housing insurance. We were approved for all three in April, but we wouldn't get the check until May. When the typical check wasn't in the landlord's mailbox, he immediately gave a summons saying that he was taking us to court for eviction. The day we went to court, Jay had no lawyer, and going before the judge, here's a summation of how the case went. The judge said, Does the defense have a means to pay within 90 days of non-payment? We said, Yes, Your Honor, and we handed over paperwork showing that he'll be reimbursed for April and May. I see no problem. They're breaking no laws. Why are we here? Jay said, Well, Your Honor, they've been bullying. I don't care. Unless they're breaking the law, this case is dismissed. Suffice it to say, Jay and his mother were not happy. Around this time in my life, things were tumultuous. My mother, who had been battling lung cancer for four and a half years, succumbed to it in June. This happened at roughly the same time that his mom came knocking looking for payment. I explained that I would leave the check in the mailbox when we got back from the funeral home and to please just respect my right to mourn. She took her fingers and began rubbing them together, pretending to play the world's smallest violin. I will never forget what she said next. Oh, my mommy just died. Woe is me. She probably had it coming. 
I don't care if your entire family is dead. I want my money. She smiled smugly, proud with what she had just said. I saw red and my heart jumped into my throat. I went, grabbed the check and handed it to her in absolute shock that anyone would say something so screwed up. She'd finally managed to push a button that very few people I've known throughout my life have gotten close to pressing. I went into rage mode, but not in the way that you would expect. We were always told that if a health inspector came by, to not open the door. I waited until August since that was the month before the lease was going to run out and we knew that they wouldn't extend a renewal. I walked up the block to Town Hall to ask for a health inspection of our property. It was scheduled for several days later. Now, it's important to know several things. One, I was friends with all the tenants. Phil had moved out with his fiancée, but the new tenant was a really cool girl around my age named Danny. Tom and Hannah on the other side of the downstairs floor had moved out in July and Jay was still looking to fill it. The only one who wanted to stay out of this was Rose on the upper right apartment. I'd gotten permission from Danny to use her spare key to let the inspector into her apartment, and I knew that I could use the back staircase on the right side to let the inspector into Tom's now vacant apartment. I also knew that Danny was moving out in September a month after Kate and myself. The inspector came, and it was glorious. He checked the exterior of the house first, noting that wires were exposed, and there was an old empty dryer along with other odd clutter in the backyard. I brought him inside the shared entrance, and just as I'd hoped, he noticed that the last inspection date was 1994. 18 years ago! This meant that for each year that Jay didn't have an inspection, there would be appropriate fines. In our apartment, we had black mold growing in our bathroom, and the bubble in the ceiling had begun to regrow to problematic proportions. Upstairs, Danny's apartment was suffering from leaks in the ceiling, and it looked like her bathroom ceiling was also on the brink of collapsing. We then went to the basement. The boiler was on the verge of exploding. There were flammable items along with gasoline and a pack of matches sitting right next to it. Two things I didn't know was, one, the fire door that separated the two sides didn't close all the way, rendering it moot. Two, on the right side of the basement there was a toilet. A toilet that had blown up. It had coated the surrounding walls, and the leakage prevented us from going up the floor via the right side. The entire time, the inspector was photographing and writing constantly. We stepped outside and he said he needed to come back. When I asked why, he said that he had run out of space to write down all the infractions. He had filled up the front and had written an entire page on the back portion. I kindly and coyly asked, Well, how much will it cost right now? He scratched his head and said, Around 20 to 30k from what I can see, but it's probably going to be higher as this house was never licensed to be split into apartments. I thanked him, and he said he was going to come back with a county inspector. So we moved out at the end of August, but I got the updates from Rose. Because Jay was the current owner, he was the one who had to pay all the fines, and no one knew could move into the empty apartments until everything was up to code. Since three out of the four apartments were vacant, he was losing $4,500 in potential rent. He handed the property back to his mother and had to file for bankruptcy. Now, here's the other thing. Every time an old tenant left and a new one was coming in, an inspection was supposed to be done. Now that all the financial burden fell on her, they looked into the records and she was fined for each time that she had broken that rule, 750 bucks per year. By the end of the year, Rose had moved out and so the place was hemorrhaging money. I sat back, proud of what I'd done, and left it be. <laughs> no, screw that, I wasn't even close to done yet. I felt like I'd destroyed Jay, but my real target had always been his mom. I learned that she had eight properties throughout three towns in my county. 
I went to each one, spoke to the tenants, and said that I was a concerned tenant from another property and asked if they had any problems with their apartments. Every single person that I asked described the apartment in very poor to intolerable levels and that the mom was effectively a slumlord. She would ignore problems unless someone turned to litigations. She was threatened that they would summon the inspector or, more often than not, the people would just move out. She'd refuse to refund their deposit and sink that money into cosmetic repairs so the apartment looked nicely furnished. People rarely fought back because she knew that the occupants were usually lower class minorities. So, being the concerned person that I was, I went to the inspector of the other two towns and asked for an inspection to be done on these properties. It turns out that she faced pretty much the same infractions on every other apartment that she owned. It turned out she actually had 12 apartments, but I initially only knew about the ones that fell within my county. The remaining properties in the next county over were given a mysterious heads up to perform a surprise inspection. From what I can tell, Jay's mom had been in the landlord business for about 35 to 40 years. That collapsed quickly. Since we moved literally one block down the road from our old place, I got to see Jay lose his primary source of income and have to claim bankruptcy. But I also saw that his mother was desperately trying to find a buyer for all of the apartments so she could pay off all of our fines. I learned two years later that she, too, had to file for bankruptcy. Jay and his mother camped out in front of our next apartment for two days in October of 2013 before she filed for bankruptcy. I'm guessing just to scream at me and or Kate. So I called the cops and said that there were strange people standing in a no parking zone and they kept looking up at the second floor. A cruiser swung by and told them to leave. I know I should have spent those two months that I spent dealing with this to find a job, but this was the one and only time that I wanted to cripple a person where they hurt most, their wallets. I think I got my point across. None of this would have happened if you had just effing fixed the ceiling before it collapsed, Jay. OP, when Jay and his mom were trying to yell at you from the parking lot, you should have just stuck your hand out the window and played them the world's smallest violin. Our next Reddit post is from Lord Thor. I was working as a civilian with the U.S. military overseas, and I lived off base in an apartment complex popular among the U.S. military. One morning, I accidentally hit another soldier's vehicle. Upon exiting my vehicle, I noticed that both of our vehicles were what you'd call a hoopty. A hoopty is an old car that's pretty beat up and has been passed around from service member to service member and they generally sell for like $1,000 to $2,000. I also recognized that I was at fault for the accident. It was a very minor accident. His rear bumper was dented in slightly, but I could hear both of our cars still running. I approached the driver who had already gotten out and he was in uniform and I apologized. And I said, if it was alright with him, I'd like to negotiate a payment that I'll pay him in cash and we won't have to involve the authorities. I wanted to keep this simple. I'll be honest, the accident was so minor, I honestly expected him to say, nah man, it's good. But even if he wanted some money, I'd have paid him. I've always been of the opinion that if you have a fender bender and you can negotiate agreeable terms between both parties, it's best to not involve insurance or the police. He told me he wanted to call the police. I said, we could call the police or we could go to base together and I could give him $300. He said that wasn't enough, so I upped my offer to $500. Then he proceeded to punch me in the face. It was a sucker punch. Then he got into his car and took off and in the process nearly ran me over. Now, I have a black box in my car which recorded everything. I went to the provost marshal office on the base, which is sort of like our police station, and reported the accident and the assault and showed the MP the footage. They used the footage to find his license plate and track him down. I was also asked if I wanted to involve the local authorities and press criminal charges off base. 
Honestly, I felt like the soldier would learn his lesson if I let the military court handle this, and I said not at this time, but I was told that it was still an option. The end result was the soldier in question got 60 days of extra duty, reduction in rank, and forfeited a portion of his paycheck. Essentially, if he accepted his punishment, this would have been the end of the whole ordeal. Honestly, at this point, I assumed that our little ordeal was over. Well, a few days after his punishment was handed out, which was not long after the incident itself, I was in the commissary, which is sort of like our grocery store shopping, when the soldier who assaulted me saw me and began to insult me. I told him he needed to calm down, that he should learn his lesson. He told me I was a wussy who didn't know how to take a punch, and I reminded him that I held back on destroying his life. He told me that he's already been punished and I can't touch him again. Then he left me be. A store employee witnessed the entire encounter, and I got the employee's details and reported this interaction to his command. His commander told me that he'd been ordered to not interact with me and would take action. His commander also recommended me that I involve the local authorities, since his soldier obviously isn't learning his lesson. So, I did. I contacted an attorney. The attorney was unsure if we could successfully sue the soldier and said that he would need a cash payment to take the case. Honestly, I was mad and I wanted to teach this guy a lesson. I agreed, and it was not cheap. To keep this story short, we ended up in a court off base. We presented our evidence. The soldier in question had decided to represent himself. Several times in the court, he had outbursts. The judge ended up granting me a judgment of approximately $50,000. When the judgment was given, the soldier called the judge a son of a B-word and that the army would cover for him. <laughs> so the judge changed his judgment to $80,000, and the judge then asked me if I also wanted to press charges against the soldier in criminal court. Honestly, it was obvious that this guy wasn't learning his lesson, so I told the judge that I did want to pursue criminal charges in addition to the judgment. My lawyer later advised me that if I ever wanted to see that money, I should pursue an international hold. With my judgment, it's likely that a judge would grant me an international hold. An international hold is basically where this soldier wouldn't be allowed to leave this country until I was paid my $80,000. Also, he told me that according to the agreement between the U.S. military and the host country, the U.S. military would honor the international hold. <laughs> basically, the U.S. military would not protect him or move him out of the country to avoid punishment. Honestly, by this point, I had paid my lawyer thousands of dollars, and I honestly didn't feel like paying thousands of dollars and getting nothing for it, so I said yes and want to go forward with the international hold. About a month later, the international hold was granted and the U.S. military was informed of this. Two months after that, the criminal case was over and the soldier was sentenced to 90 days in jail. By this point, the soldier had been moved onto the base into his barracks by his commander. I remember the day I was informed the MPs handed him over to the local authorities to begin his 90-day jail sentence. Did I mention he still owed me 80k? I heard nothing for a year, and then one day, I got a call from his commander. His commander wants me to make a statement in regards to the case. I go in and make the statement. During the statement, I find out that the US military is in the process of chaptering the soldier out of the US military. The commander also informed me that he was close to coming up with the money to pay me so that he could have the international hold lifted. The commander also asked me if my lawyer would be willing to make a statement. I contacted my lawyer who also made a statement about the facts of the case. A few weeks later, his ex-wife contacted me. When this all started, I knew that he was married, but I guess his wife decided to divorce him. She informed me that her ex-husband had the money and needed the details on how to pay me. 
I provided her the details, and a few days later, I got the payment, and I contacted his ex-wife to inform her that I'd been paid. She then asked me to send a receipt so he could have the international hold lifted and returned to the States. I asked her how he got the money, and she said that he maxed out his credit, and also had his family help out. Also during this conversation, I'd found out that the army had chaptered him out of the military. I sent her the receipt, and that was the last I ever heard from his side. I took his $80,000 and bought myself a brand new car and used the rest of the money as a down payment for an investment property. <laughs> the best thing about this story is that at one point, OP was about to pay this guy $500. But instead, this guy's like, nope, I'd rather punch you in the face and then lose $80,000 and my job and my wife. <laughs> what an absolute idiot. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, then be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.